Shalom, welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end, where we're also going to share an exciting opportunity, and please feel free to share this with others who you also know will find it of interest. Today, we're talking about a very hot topic that's a subset of the war taking place against Hamas in Gaza. And with me, I've got three incredible guests, each of whom I have either been interviewed by or have have been guests on Inspiration from Zion before. And what's happening right now is we, as we have this conversation, we're just days away from the uh, from a claim against Israel being brought in the International Court of Justice on charges of genocide. Now, it's very ironic, and we'll talk about that, because the truth of the matter is genocide is what's been committed against Israel and the Jewish people, but the charge of a genocide is being brought by none other than the government of South Africa. And that's perverse. And so with me, I have three very, very special guests who I want to introduce. All good friends. Major Daughter is a is a correct creator, influencer, and founder of the proudly South African media non-for-profit organization, Major Daughter Network, MDN, that delivers global news, documentaries, films, and analysis. She's an international consultant and advisor, an award-winning speaker, author, top 100 coach, philanthropist, and media personality. In June, she led a fascinating group of African leaders to come here in Israel, where I had the privilege of interacting in her in her plenary sessions and also hosting them here in my home community. And we've been in touch and have had the opportunity to work together on a few different things over the course of the last several months. Kathy Kaler is a social entrepreneur, critical thinker, investing in social causes to make a positive change in her own community, in Israel and around the world one of which is a popular radio station in South Africa called Chai FM and other educational projects, including one about apartheid, anti-Semitism and genocide with the University of Johannesburg. And recently during the winter vacation, our winter, their summer, I had the privilege of filling in for my next guest who, uh, who, who took a break and I ended up becoming their guest early morning analyst uh, interacting with Kathy on a daily basis. Rolene Marks is a freelance journalist and broadcaster and speaker who appears on international radio, television, and has been published in numerous global publications. She's also the national spokesperson for the South African Zionist Federation, which you'll understand why has her particularly busy these days. Rolene is the owner of Rolene Marks Consulting, specializing in media, public relations, consulting on Jewish and Israel-related issues, as well as media training, with local and international clients, and as a varied as public relations companies, nonprofits, security, strategic planning, high tech, and commercial. And Rolene, as I mentioned earlier, can be heard every day on High FM unless she's taking a break and I'm filling in. And as a regular correspondent on Channel News Asia and WINA Radio in the US, among many, many, many others. Um, Rolene, Kathy, and Major. I'm very, very excited to have you all here with me as part of this conversation, and welcome to Inspiration from Zion. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Ezilun Times, Jonathan, for having me, and shalom to the listeners and viewers. Yeah, and it's it's really important that we're all together, and I'm excited to have each of you for the conversation. I'm grateful, so 
but I also look forward to the interaction uh, between you because I think it's real important that we have multiple voices in general, but specifically on this topic. What I'd love to start with, and in any particular order, whoever wants to jump in, is why are we even having a conversation this week about South Africa bringing charges against Israel on charges of genocide in the International Court of Justice? Rolene, I see you. We, we, we record by video so I can see you, and it looks like you want to jump right in. Well, I think South Africa have brought these charges, these, to quote our president, Isaac Herzog, atrocious and preposterous charges uh, alleging genocide against the the Palestinians at the International Court of of Justice. Now, what I find uh, very, very telling is that shortly after the horrific attacks of the 7th of October, South Africa did not come out of the gate like every other country with a moral conscience and condemn the atrocities. South Africa waited a couple of days and then basically alleged that you know Israel had brought it on ourselves. But no sooner had South Africa done that, South Africa had done that, then the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Naledi Pandor, spoke to the leader of Hamas, Ismail Haniyeh. We don't know entirely the contents of that conversation, but we can ascertain that there were no calls for the immediate release of of hostages. We know that she did reiterate South Africa's solidarity. We then saw her visit Tehran and meet with the Ayatollah al-Khamenei and uh, South Africa throughout this process, including the, the president, Cyril Ramaphosa, has reiterated South Africa's um, solidarity with the Palestinian people. Now, there's nothing wrong with standing in solidarity with Palestinians. I think all Israelis do, uh, as uh, we want an end to Hamas, the terror entity that has um, held both our peoples hostage for, for nearly 20 years. But what I read, and I'm putting my analyst's hat on, is that... South Africa, that is moving further and further and further away from Western alliances and more towards pariah states, uh, is seen as perhaps a useful cog for Iran to wage its um, uh, war of lawfare against the Jewish state. They're not going to be able to defeat us militarily through their proxies. So that now they are using... Um, South Africa as their legal proxy to take Israel to the International Court of, of, of Justice. The uh, rationale that South Africa has given is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, they've used quotes from some of our more right-wing ministers uh, uh, saying that that is government policy. Uh, and I find it ludicrous because Israel is a democracy and while we may not hear comments that we we like, we know it's certainly not policy, but if we had to look at some of the comments made by lawmakers in South Africa, they are also tantamount to genocide. So the way I see it is we're having this conversation because South Africa, in its bid to have some kind of international relevance and to detract from the ANC's failures in the run-up to an election this year, is being used as Iran as a useful proxy to initiate lawfare. Useful proxy, or the other phrase that was made popular in the previous century was useful idiot, um, perhaps. Um, Kathy, Major, do you have anything? What can you add in terms of why South Africa? That was a very thorough background, but what's your sense? Why South Africa? Why now? So if I can jump in. Um, firstly, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast and hello to the other guests. So, uh, Hamas has been a large part of South Africa through, um, this journey to democracy. The Hamas has been invited to every ANC elective conference. That means that what happens at the elective conference is where the leadership, the National Executive Council, is chosen for the ANC. So when Cyril Ramaphosa is the leader, 
understand that Hamas has had a say in it. I think we also need to acknowledge that Hamas, South Africa is one of the countries that doesn't recognize Hamas as a terrorist organization. In fact, they have officers here. Um, and so it's very open in terms of communication. South Africa, you know, we've got the ANC, which, like all political parties, has a lot of diversity. There are good people, and there are, unfortunately, corrupt people. And the majority of South Africans are not even, you know, Israel is not something on which they are divided or have even an opinion. South Africans, prior to, in fact, I'll get to that in a minute, but the average South African is a very, very good-natured, good-hearted person. And uh, unfortunately, that has been hijacked by the Department of International Relations and Cooperation that we call DIRCO. Um They are driving their own agenda through Hamas. I have no doubt, no doubt that it comes from Iran. You Google South Africa and Iran. There are a number of projects, one of them, you know, with... Um, with Sassel Petrochemicals, South Africa had to put in 1.3 billion, not dollars, not pounds, not rands, euros. Uh, where does South Africa get 1.35 billion euros when we can't even fix our streets? So it is a very, very corrupt relationship, unfortunately. And with corruption, there's no sense. You cannot make sense in the decisions being made. Hey, thank you. Major Daughter, what can you add? to that uh, about we're seeing this now coming from South Africa. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gazilun, to Roline and Kathy for that input. Look, let me be honest with you, Jonathan. I have been, and I'm still praying now, I've been expecting a trip, was expecting a trip with um, African delegation of presidents to Israel to meet Mr. Netanyahu and whoever that will be available for that kind of a meeting, as we saw with the Russian matter in South Africa, how it was handled. There was a delegation of African leaders. Our very president, President Ramaphosa, took himself and other leaders from other nations, presidents, to go to Russia. And they told us as a country that, well, we are neutral in this. We're not going to take any sides, but even though we're not taking any sides, this is the step we are taking. What will you do if somebody rocks up at your door and breaks everything and starts hitting your children, killing, doing whatever? How will you respond personally? I will respond to that. If somebody has come right at my doorstep, there's got to be a response and a sufficient one for that matter. But in this case, we see a different stance. We, we see South Africa handling this differently. And don't even think that the layman on the ground is consulted. Here's what I've been raising myself. I've been saying, in a matter like this, who has been consulted before this matter went to even parliament, before this matter went to any round table? Has there been any consultation first with the church? Because when in a time like elections, like what is happening right now, elections are right uh, around the corner. You're seeing our leaders, our politicians everywhere in churches campaigning. But when decisions like this that will affect our nation are taken, are they ever consulted? Is their input sought? There are ancient mysteries that will cause a nation to rise or fall. And these are based on, um, on the knowledge of these mysteries. And when it comes to our nation right now, there are so many questions that need to be answered. Jonathan? That's, thank you for that. Um, in order not to interrupt the flow of conversation, which is so important, and I, and I appreciate all of your input. I want to take a very quick break now, and then I'd like to come back and ask you all about, so what's the nature about the elections, the electoral campaigning, and what's the, how is this having an impact there? Because I think in 2024, 
not just in South Africa, not just in the U.S. We're seeing major national elections taking place in many parts of the world that have an impact here in Israel and regarding. But let's take just a quick break. Friends, Israel's at war, and the war may get worse before it gets better. Much worse. It's going to be a long war because the enemy is the epitome of evil. It's not just a matter of overcoming troops on a battlefield, but overcoming a theology, an ideology, an evil one. While the Genesis 123 Foundation has been overwhelmed with the support of so many donations to the Israel Emergency Campaign, there's so much more that needs to be done. We've invested your donations that we've received so far strategically to make the biggest impact possible, whether helping with soldiers and their equipment and personal needs, to providing civilian security for outlying border communities, to relocating and settling several families from near the Gaza war zone, launching the global petition drive to support Israel in the face of pressure for a ceasefire and long-term needs for at-risk children, traumatized now more than ever before. Please take a moment to pause this conversation right now and go to love.genesis123.co and donate generously. We value your trust and we will keep all donors informed about how and where your donations are being used to contribute to make the biggest impact possible. And when you use that link, love.genesis123.co, you can also send your prayers and words of encouragement to Israelis of all backgrounds, just sending your love, something that we need so desperately. Thank you, and God bless you and your loved ones. Okay, we've spoken about, first of all, uh, I'm an ignorant, dual American Israeli citizen. I know you have elections coming up in South Africa, but I don't know when. And so can you share with me, why is it, is this an issue? What are average South Africans hearing about it? I think the point you just made, Major Daughter, about about this being something that average South Africans are not even having any input in, it's it's a government decision. And as we have this conversation, it's important to note that these are government decisions. These are not the people of South Africa. People of South Africa, I think, Kathy, you mentioned, are are, are very diverse and, and largely support Israel, but they're not thinking about this. But how how is it coming out now? Uh, how is it coming out in the in the <laughs> South African media? And and how is this having any impact in the election there? Whoever. Okay. So, um, Major Delta, do you want to do you want to address address this, or can I say something? You can go ahead, but I'll add. That's okay. okay. No, 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 it's fine. You can start. <laughs> so, so, so uh, going back to my point, Jonathan, to answer that, I say there are ancient mysteries that will cause a nation to rise or fall based on the knowledge of these uh, mysteries. Our grandfathers and forefathers of this nation taking um just 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 uh the the late statesman president nelson polisa mandela is one of them they have left ancient marks which are ancient mysteries on how they dealt with matters or issues concerning israel or israel palestine because these wars didn't start today. What is happening today didn't start today. And here is where I want to pin uh, my pain. When it came to Russia, there's a relationship. I think it's Kathy who spoke about the relationship that South Africa, well, the ruling party has with Hamas. There's a relationship with Russia. Why is it that the issue between Russia and Ukraine was handled differently? I'm praying for the delegation. I want to see African residents coming out together up on their way to Israel to meet Mr. Netanyahu to talk about this matter. But no, it's not happening. This is a call to the church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about denominations. I'm I'm talking about the, the church of Yeshua HaMashiach. The church of the one who hang on the cross. The church that understands the place 
of Israel and what is going on right now. Because there's a divine finger in what is happening in Israel. There's a prophetical finger in what is happening in Israel. But this same church, this is where politicians are campaigning. They, are busy. they were there right now. They're in Pumalanga, going from church to church to visit on Sundays, but also to campaign, say, pray for the ANC, vote for the NC. We should not just be praying and voting. We should have a say. And the church ought to be a very critical voice. In South Africa, 80, there are 80 murders per day. But there's no uproar. There is no... There's no outrage, not in parliament, not in, not, not in ANC meetings, not anywhere. It has become a normal thing. Has life lost value like that? Well, the rich says before anyone could be put in office, it must be a man or a woman who has his house in order. We are at ICJ, but our house is not in order. Well, what about Christians that are dying, that are dying in Nigeria in their thousands? Persecution right. there. Our channel has been reporting on that. No uproar. You don't see anybody in parliament calling for motions. Even for these 80 people that die per day, there are shootings in South Africa, Jonathan, on the left and on the right, even in churches. There is no uproar. So I would like for, to come in yeah. at that point, if you don't mind, and, and address the issue of, of genocide, because uh, Major Daughter spoke about the relationship between South Africa and Russia. Uh, we know that South Africa has taken a very different approach to, is, to Russia's war against Ukraine, an unprovoked war uh, against Ukraine. But there are genocides happening on the African continent that the South African government have routinely denied. Uh, they've laid this charge of genocide, and genocide has a very, very specific definition. It is the definition that says the intention to eliminate or to kill or do away with a group of people. Now, we only know in this conflict between Israel and Hamas one party that has made its intention to eliminate, to eradicate, to kill one group of people, and that is contained in Hamas and Hamas's genocidal charter. South Africa, while Russia and Iran and Assad are still dropping bombs on villages in Syria, there is a village called Jassim where 15,000 people are under siege. Women and children have been the victims of sorties dropped by the Assad regime with his allies Iran and Russia. There are genocides all across the African continent, including the genocide of Christians, be right. it in Nigeria or in Darfur. Just at the end of last week, President Ramaphosa hosted General Dagor, the ex-Janjaweed uh, head, the Janjaweed militia in Darfur over successive weekends, not only have rampaged through villages, raping and murdering Christians, but they have driven millions of Sudanese from their homes. South Africa has an imperative as a member of the African Union to look at the situation on the continent and before opining anything on a conflict far, far, far away, a conflict in a country that is more poised to help South Africans than any other country, the state of Israel, uh, the Ramaphosa government have an imperative to comment and to work to end those conflicts and those genocides there. And, and I want to also just mention the many members of the South African government from a variety of parties who are standing steadfast behind Israel's right to defend herself against a genocidal terror, uh, a terrorist enclave on our border. Very important. Thank you. You know, I, so as you're asking, again, I, I don't have the, the breadth of knowledge that's why you're my guests. But I feel like when I was young, South Africa was a pariah country. 
under apartheid. And now, is there something in the DNA that that the ANC has has now taken leadership since Nelson Mandela? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, has always been in leadership position since uh, since the end of apartheid. Is is there something in the South African DNA that that the government just wants to continue to be a pariah state? Is that an absurd comment? No, I don't think it's absurd at all. So I think that there's a few things. One is that during apartheid, everything was somebody else's problem. And that was part of the mechanism of apartheid. You know, black people in this country had no, they were not emancipated and they didn't have the power to do anything if there was a problem, right? There was, you're talking about a disenfranchised population of whom it was a majority of the population. Then you've got the, the white population who also, to some degree, lived under apartheid and were also um, disenfranchised to a lesser degree, but in different ways to the black population during apartheid. And so we all got very used to, and it was inculcated within the culture of the South African populace, to let somebody else deal with it. But I've got news for you, is that nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. South Africans are having to take care of these things ourselves. Um, And the sooner we do it, the better. So there's a few things. Firstly, is that I think that when it's problematic for us, when we have got, when we are electing um, politicians to our own our own par- our own parliaments and these um, parliamentarians, these political leaders as politicians represent the interests of other people, whether it is Israel, whether it is the United States, whether it is Palestine, it doesn't matter. They are elected by the people of South Africa to serve South Africa, not any other country. And I think that that is the first thing that is very important for the South Africans to know and to acknowledge. And I think that that is something that we need to put firmly um, across as a South African population. Major Dodd, I... oh, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 just, you want to say something? No, no, finish with your second point, I, it's good. Okay, this, the second thing that I want to make is a point that about the average South African doesn't know that prior to the 7th of October, um, South Africans had a lower standard or quality of life than Palestinians. Did you okay. know this? I did according not. to the World Bank, it is also according to the World Health Organization. The figures are there, you can go and look it up yourself. And so I'll tell you, for example, in South Africa, um, the mortality the mortality rate prior to the seventh of October was 32.8, that's per 1,000 live births, 32.8 mortality, uh, um, yeah, okay, 32.8 per 1,000 live births. Pal- in Palestine, it was 14.8 per 1,000 live births. Wow. Yeah, I felt that that was quite That's more than well. double. Um, yes, uh, child stunting. Uh, 23% in South Africa, 8% in Palestine. The unemployment rate in South Africa, 32.9%. And in Palestine, 24.7%. And life expectancy in South Africa is currently 65.25 years. And in Palestine, it is 74.4 years. So, so is this, I'm not yeah. one for saying, well, you know, we, I don't believe that it is a defense to say, but look what those other people are doing. I believe that we've got to go to the data and we have to go to the figures and they're there. Well, the data is important, but 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 especially with an but election coming up, you you exactly. have you, you have elect voters who need to take take these issues to account. And I don't want I wonder I, I, I have to imagine with with any with you and others. There's always when you're having a conversation with someone in South Africa these days, the concern that they're not going to have electricity 
at any given point because of the wonderful yes. South African innovation of load sharing um, or 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 drought uh, that that I would think that millions of South Africans would be more concerned about that, even if they don't know about how how less well off they are, even than Palestinian Arabs. Is this is, is this coming out in the electoral campaign at all? Do people care? I'd love well, to say something care, on, not... on regarding stats. Okay. Because stats are important. And if we're going to make, uh, if we're going to talk about stats, let's make some comparisons to, to Gaza. Because 27,000 South Africans are murdered per year. Wow. Which is a lot more than the trumped-up number that we are getting out of the Gaza Strip from Hamas. Exactly. The Hamas-controlled health ministry have said uh, that there are 22,000, 23,000 Palestinians that have been killed uh, during uh, this war. All of them apparently women, children, and journalists. (laughs) None of them apparently are Hamas operatives. And, And we know there's no distinction between combatant and civilian. These are the numbers that, by the way, nobody can verify these numbers at the moment. These are the numbers that Hamas are, are, are saying. The same Hamas that said 500 people were killed when um, Israel struck the Al-Ali hospital, which turned out to be Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket falling short on the car park of the Al-Ali hospital, killing maybe in the double digits. But These statistics are important and they're important for South Africans because more South Africans are murdered per year in South Africa than have been killed in this war between Israel and and Hamas. Let's also talk about the rape statistics. Rape was used by Hamas as a weapon of war against Israeli women, children, and yes, some uh, men and boys uh, uh, as well. And I think... Nearly every South African woman, especially a South African woman who's living in uh, an an area that is not built up, that is not wealthy, is more vulnerable to rape than any other country around the world. These are important statistics. If we're going to go statistic for statistic, I think the people of South Africa need to know that if you are going to support based on these numbers, you might want to take a very, very uh, in-depth look at Hamas, their behavior, their conduct and what they do compared to the accusation that the ANC government is making against Israel. Thank you for that, Rolene. I want to take a, this is a hard conversation to interrupt, but we're going to interrupt it just for a minute because I want to come back to that because I, I wasn't expecting the conversation to really kind of go in this direction. But I have to say it's fascinating and I know it's very important. So let's take a break for a moment and then just come right back and talk about these domestic issues as they're conflating to the International Court of Justice. As remarkable and miraculous as Israel is, and its very existence a testimony to God's faithfulness, in many ways, Israel's like most other countries. Just as there are parents anywhere who have stronger and weaker parenting abilities, and adults become a product of situations in their lives that they cannot control, making their ability to raise and care for their own children even harder. That's true in Israel as well. The Genesis 123 Foundation is committed and takes the mandate seriously to care for the least of these, our brothers, our children. We're committed to bless and strengthen orphans and at-risk youth, to invest in them, to empower them, so that their future will be brighter than their past or their present. But Israel is unique in that there are always threats of war and terror, which know no bounds. For children who come from homes that are not safe, sometimes the very scary reality of living in a community that's not safe is too much to bear. We are committed to turning orphans and at-risk youth into children of promise. We fund a variety of programs to help those most in need as widely as we can. We invite and encourage you to join us today so that we can ensure their brighter tomorrow. Please visit genesis123.co to find out more and to send your love and most generous donation today. 
Okay. Um, Rolene, those are very important uh, statistics. Now, my question I want to go back to, and Major Daughter and Kathy, you are both, they, I mean, Rolene, you're no less knowledgeable, but you're you're based in central Israel, not in Johannesburg at the moment. Are these issues that are people that are coming uh, that are coming up in the election? I, I don't know what's happening with South African polling. I, I don't know why the conflating of, or, or maybe it's just a deflection of very serious domestic issues to find a uh, to find a convenient um, um, party to blame for something that, in the scheme of things, has absolutely nothing to do with the well-being of the majority of South Africans. Can either of you add to that? I'd like to give Major Daughter a chance, if that's okay, because I know that you did want to say something earlier, and I felt like I was interrupting you. No, you didn't interrupt me. Look, I, I wanted to just say that's the point I'm making, that our house is not in order. And if you're a leader, you should know that you must first get your house in order before you try to get other houses in order. There is no uproar in South Africa concerning these matters, Jonathan, to answer your question. Maybe few people there on social media, you know, who will be saying some things. But in, in, the, in the UK, a teenager died or was killed a um, few days ago. It was on every media platform mainstream, all of them, they were carrying it. These 80 matters we're talking about, these stats are not there every day. Not at all. There's no, there's no uproar. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, press conferences being held concerning this on how it's going to be addressed, especially right now. There is no outrage. It's like normal. You know, people just find solutions on how to sort themselves out. We are, our communities are going back to community policing forum where we have to be looking after each other and guarding our homes. Security is doing very well right now because, I mean, everybody's feeling unsafe. So before we can be so concerned about everyone, these are matters we should have addressed first. So I think this is what is happening. We have a government that is divided. We have an ANC that is divided. We have, um, we have those who want to settle scores with leaders in government currently. The reason most of the failures of the ANC government are attributed to sabotage within the ANC. We have comrades sabotaging each other. We have comrades sabotaging comrades. Look. There are those who say our president was funded by uh, Jewish people. It doesn't matter. So if he was funded by Jewish people, who want to see how your government was, was going to handle this? Right? So there's a lot. But in the end, who suffers? Here's the biggest question. The rich says, this is what Elohim said to Abraham. He said, I will bless those who bless you. I will, I will curse those who curse you. Will South Africa be blessed or cursed? That is why yes. the church should be concerned. The church who allows... Yes, of What's that, Kathy? Kathy? Kathy, our, our leadership is absolutely corrupt. And that's exactly what uh, Major is also saying. Is, is, it is so corrupt. And that is where the ANC and Hamas actually play from the same book, is that they both treat their populations with the same contempt. You know, the the Hamas treats the Palestinians in Gaza with the same contempt that the ANC treats South Africans, right? All the money is for the leadership, and, you know, the, po the population has to privatize. We privatize security. We privatize civil services. We, pri we privatize municipal services. Because after the corruption, there's nothing left to spend on the population. All that money is going to the fat cats and it's being spent on state capture. And understand that state capture, we have scratched the tip of the iceberg. Hamas is part of state capture. I have no doubt. Iran is part of state capture. I have no doubt about that. It will come out in years to come. Okay. So again, my question is, 
Do average South Africans know this? Is uh, it a, is it no. an electoral issue now? Does it make a difference? No, and I'll tell you why. This whole thing about, you know, we talk about Hamas being an ideology, right? And South Africans, for a long time, we're pro-Palestinian and we, and we, you know, wave a Palestinian flag. Nobody's waving a South African flag, mind you. Bear in mind that, that when there are, when there are parades, when there are protests, everybody goes with the flags of their political party. Nobody's waving the South African flag, flag because everybody's out for themselves. And that's a problem with our leadership. It's a huge problem. Right. But one of the reasons, and this is a hundred percent my opinion, is that if the government is supporting the people of Palestine and encouraging South Africans to protest for the rights of Palestinians, they're not protesting for the rights of South Africans, which would be a much more problematic situation for the ANC. Because then they're accountable. Right. Well, they would be held accountable, yes. And we, and we have a terrible history of accountability in this country. You know, after, after apartheid, we had something called the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Okay. And over 4,000 people who were key individuals within apartheid actually went and they testified at this commission. And since then, not one person has been prosecuted for crimes that they committed, human rights crimes, during apartheid. Not one person. We haven't held anybody accountable. We have a terrible history of it. Is it because it's a new democracy? I don't know. I don't have that answer. Well, it's a good, it's an interesting question and something that, that may, in a, in a different kind of way, may be something that Israel needs to address with, uh, address because maybe there's too much accountability and that would not be good for the nation. But if that becomes the defining DNA of the nation, then that's problematic in and of itself. Um, yeah. yeah. Major daughter, do you want to add something? I just want to say, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with what um, Kathy is saying. So here's the thing. When all is said and done, after all is said and done, it will matter how South Africa is judged concerning how it handled the matter of Israel, Gaza, and Palestine. The average man doesn't even know who Hamas is. And these are people who have freely, freely, just days ago, just days ago, the, the man from Sudan was welcomed freely. Hamas, freely. So by the time we have issues with terrorism in South Africa, nobody should ever be surprised. In fact, we should go back to these times. By the time, I don't know what will even happen if South Africa can face any terrorist. Imagine if, if this knock was at our door. Will, if, will we even have a response at all? Imagine if what happened in Israel, because that's what I, I dread. Imagine if what happened in Israel happened in South Africa. Will there be anything done at all? You come to my house, you attack my children. I have a right to respond adequately. If the matter ends, ends up in court, I'll defend myself there. Well said. Israel has a right to defend herself. That I'm is of... I'm sorry, go ahead. And if I can say this, Jonathan, there are those who say, well, this Israel is, 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 is all about genocide, is all about killing people. The Israel in the Bible, there was nothing like this. Israel has been fighting wars. Wars. Israel has been at fighting since. Wars, they never started. Wars that came to them. Right. 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 Actually, some earlier today, I was reading something relating to this. And of course... It's very. It, it would be very interesting to me academically. It matters more than academically, but to see what the case is against Israel and Israel's defense. But clearly, there was a point made 
which is obvious. I guess probably most South Africans don't know this, that the, the Hamas charter calls for the extermination of the Jewish people. That's that's genocide. And if you look at our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, it's in fact the opposite. It's calling on all Arabs to stay and build up a prosperous country together. And if we go to that, it'll be interesting to me to see how that goes. I want to quickly take, I know, Rolene, hold it. I want to, because I know we're, we're working on a time and everyone has different other appointments right after. I want to take a last quick break. I want to hear what you have to say. And then I want to hear your projections about what we're going to hear, what's going to be the outcome. But let's take one more quick break. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel was an earth-shattering event. For Christians, it was a confirmation that God always keeps his covenantal promises. Today, we are blessed to see God's fingerprints in the modern miracle of the land of Israel playing out in our lives among the people and in the state of Israel. This year, on the occasion of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been privileged to bring together 75 Christian leaders from around the world to lend their unique voices, sharing their personal faith experiences relating to Israel and their in-depth insight into Israel's history and spiritual significance, creating an historical, one-of-a-kind, high-end coffee table book, Israel the Miracle. Israel the Miracle's stunning imagery will fill your home with the hope of fulfilled promises and conversations about Israel. It's a perfect gift to anyone for any occasion, and most of all, to yourself. You'll also be a blessing to Israel, knowing that the proceeds will go to blessed Israelis of all backgrounds. Be a part of Israel the Miracle and bring the land, the people, and the state of Israel into your heart and into your home. Visit IsraelTheMiracle.com to get your limited edition copy today. Okay, Rolene, I cut you off. You had a very important point to make. Yeah, I, I think it's going more to your question about predictions. I think one thing that Israel has done with this court case at the International uh, Court of Justice, and there's a very clear distinction between the International Criminal Court and the Court of Justice, and that is that Israel has called South Africa's bluff. I think South Africa was banking on Israel saying, like we have in the past, that we will not participate in uh. this, we will not even acknowledge this. I think what Israel has done uh, by saying we will be there, we will present our evidence, and I, I believe that we will be presenting a shortened version of the body cam footage, of the GoPro footage from the 7th of October. Um, uh, and it's interesting that South Africa has chosen the International Court of Justice because not only was it founded by a Holocaust survivor, but it's based on the Geneva Conventions where, where it clearly defines genocide. Now, as I said earlier, South Africa want to enter into evidence some of the comments made by people like uh, Ben Gavir and other members of his, his party, uh, which is not official Israeli policy, right. something that President Herzog has reiterated. Meanwhile, in South Africa, you do have the same kind of utterances coming from lawmakers like Julius Malema, whereas people understand that it's not South African official policy. So that's a bit hypocritical of South Africa. But I think that um, Israel, and we don't know the full team, we, we do know that uh, uh, Professor Malcolm Shaw, one of the foremost experts in international relations, uh, will be making the case for Israel. We will have um, former Supreme Court Chief Justice Aharon Barak as our judge selection, uh, probably one of the most esteemed, uh, regardless of where you sit on various domestic issues, uh, uh, jurists sitting on that 15-judge panel. But um, I think that South Africa, or certainly I think Israel rather, will enter into evidence not only the Hamas Charter, not only our Declaration of Independence, but all the evidence, all the empirical um, evidence. So it will be on, the, on the world stage, literally on the world stage. That shows how we have... Gone where no other army has gone before to ensure that 
we we mitigate as many Palestinian casualties uh, as possible. And um, it's going to be interesting to see South Africa argue against that. Because at the end of the day, you, you, you can't just talk numbers. We are at war. And war is ugly. And war is brutal. And innocents are always the ones who pay the heaviest price. But what South Africa has to establish is intent of genocide. And genocide, as I said at the beginning, has a very, very Correct. specific definition. And, and those are my predictions. Correct. And even as you mentioned before, in terms of the Hamas propaganda numbers of 22,000 people, which are undocumented and and uh, don't and, and they conflate all uh, deaths, presumably, um, including about half of whom would be the Hamas terrorists. Um, even 22,000 does not constitute a genocide out of two million people. Um, Genocide's about intent. Intent, correct, exactly. That's so important. Um, and, and and there's no question. Uh, Major Daughter, Kathy, do you have any thoughts, predictions? What are we going to see this this week? And, and, and how will that play out in, in, uh, in what's going on? So um, if, if, I can, if I can step in here. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a, a facts on, fact on the ground kind of person. It, it illustrates a lot for me. Um, so I went to look at UNWA because they've got quite accurate figures about the Palestinians in Gaza because that's what this is about. Firstly, the claim about Israel conducting genocide on the Palestinians is not a new one. This didn't start on the 7th of October. This has been going on for years, according to Al Jazeera and according to UNWA and according to Palestinian Authority and according to the United Nations. So I went and I had a look. Now, in 1948, the UNRWA it took over all the documents from um, the people living in Palestine, right? And that was, at the time, 685,000 people. Today, those records of the number of Palestinians is 5.9 million Palestinians that are considered refugees. Um, well, the reason that I looked this up is because my, my grandmother from my father's side was actually the first generation to leave Palestine, British mandated Palestine, which makes me a Palestinian. And I have every intention of going through the process and claiming Palestinian refugee status <laughs> and seeing how far I can get with UNWA. But um, that's why I was looking at the stats in the first place. And if I'm, if I'm successful, then I'm going to encourage everybody else to also do it. So I think that jokes aside, I think that you are looking at, you know, the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, is one of the chapters of the United Nations, which is no friend of Israel's. And I think that whatever evidence comes, I think that everything is going to be coloured by their very perspective, a very, very specific perspective on Israel. Um, and I think that as Jews in the diaspora, in Israel, we need to realize that nobody's coming and we need to sort things out ourselves. And that's my prediction. Okay. That's, that's sobering. Major daughter, what do you, what do you expect that we're going to see? What are your predictions? Well, they have done well um, on their predictions. So I like to leave my own this way. So until these uh, these allegations of genocide of genocide are proven, they remain at that level as allegations. And here are the questions I'm going to leave to our leaders and those who will care to listen or to even follow this conversation of all the nations of the world. What gives South Africa the pressure to take Israel to ICJ? What qualifies South Africa to take another country to, to, to a court in matters that border around such a sensitive matter as genocide? So any evidences, any proofs to be presented at court, we'll see. Now, who bears the cost of this 
if South Africa is the one, under which budget? These are the questions we should be asking. And who's, who's pushing the nation to take or to undertake this pursuit? Whose agenda is South Africa executing? And if we are the ones that are bearing the cost, is this not a misplaced priority based on the number of challenges we have here at home? Unemployment, blackout, crime, so many. That, that is for our people. On the 19th of October, Jonathan, and allow me to say this, I think it was 19th of October, I was trying to just confirm here. Yeah, it was on the 19th of October, 2023, it was reported that our chief rabbi in South Africa has removed our government from prayer. This is my Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. You see, it's such a short conversation, we couldn't get to this. This is my plea to the chief rabbi and the rabbis. Do not remove our government from prayer because we will bear the brunt as the people of South Africa. Samuel, a great prophet, said, I will not stop praying for you, even at that time when Israel was misbehaving. He said, for me, I will not sin by not praying for you. So I'll continue to pray for you. So here is my plea the chief rabbi, the rabbis, whoever was behind that decision, that don't, remo- don't remove us from your prayers. If there was a time to ever, in fact, we need the prayers more right now. Fascinating. Even with this, because it will not be without consequences. Jonathan? Fascinating. Um, I, I did not know that. So maybe begin to wrap up as I would love Roline or Kathy, just to share what's the Jewish perspective on that, the, 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 the chief rabbi um, calling for South African Jews not to pray for the government. I think I know specifically in terms of what prayer we're talking about, but I would, I would love to hear your point. And then, and then I'd like to just wrap up with any final thoughts each of you have. Well, I, I think that the, 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 the chief was very, very clear that the prayer would include the people of South Africa. Uh, and, and that's, uh, I think what is critical at the moment, it's the people of South Africa. And I'm privileged to hear from so many South Africans from all walks of life every uh, single day standing resolutely beside Israel saying that, uh, and I keep stressing ANC because it also, this decision doesn't reflect the whole government. So right. I don't think that it is a, a decision based on government consensus to to uh, grandstand and take Israel to the RCJ. Uh, I hear from South Africans all day long, resolutely standing with the state of Israel, understanding that it of some horrific atrocity like what happened to us happened to them in their home, they would expect their uh, army to go to war for them, to to seek justice uh, uh, for for those that are no longer with us. Um, I'm just going to wrap up and say that Chazak ve'emat to the state of Israel. The state of Israel, while railroaded into this, now has an opportunity not just to present to the International Criminal or the International Court of Justice what happened to us, but at a time when many in the media are turning a blind eye and the world is forgetting, this is our time in an international legal forum to present our case, to present our evidence, to remind the world of what a genocide looks like, of what genocidal intent looks like, to remind the people of the state of Israel that we will not sit back and allow for these accusations to be made against our army, the most moral army in the world, the army that is carrying out the vow of never again, that is charging that vow never again in our names. Last week, I walked through the destruction of Kibbutz Kfar Aza. I walked through Re'im, where the souls, where the souls of our brothers and sisters, our daughters and sons, 
are, are still crying out for justice. I walked through Nahal Oz. I walked through Sterot. And I would say, Cyril Ramaphosa and your government, you need to walk through these areas as well. And um, if we cannot count on many around the world to be the voice for our victims, we will be the voice for those victims. And we will do it in the next couple of days at the International Court of Justice. Win or lose. A fact to follow. Kathy, last words? So we live at a time where justice is not always seen to be done. And that worries me a lot. Because no matter how much the evidence, most of it recorded by Hamas themselves, just like the Nazis recorded what their atrocities were, um, just like people who wouldn't normally see it are going to be seeing that as part of the evidence, I do worry that we are living at a time where justice is not always seen to be done. Um, that said, I think that, you know, somebody said to me, how do you know that you're the good guys? And I said, because for us, we keep asking, is this the truth? Because the truth has to be enough and we have to keep telling it Wow. again and again and again. Wow. Um, Major daughter, Kathy Kaler, Rolene Marks, thank you for taking the time. Um, you've stirred me. You've informed me. Um, I pray that this conversation, regardless of which direction the the case goes, um, will be widespread. Uh, Major daughter, do you want to add something? Is that the... Yes, I wanted to read something, Jonathan. It will be Please. an error to let you go without this. Um Proverbs 22:28 says, "Remove not the ancient landmark which your fathers have set up because I've been talking about ancient mysteries." Dada Nelson Mandela set a landmark, an ancient wow. landmark when it comes to Palestine and Israel and I call on our leaders not to remove that landmark. If we're forgotten, can we go back and remind ourselves? And I pray that very soon we will see an African delegation of leaders and presidents led by President Ramaphosa to Israel to really go and see what happened on the 7th. And the young people that died while they were in a musical concert. See the spot, visit, really see for yourself. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Thank you. What a stirring conversation. Um, and fascinating. I'm so grateful for the three of you. And uh, I'll, I'll be praying for the people of South Africa. And and I will and I will con- uh, contradict the chief rabbi in one thing. I'll be praying because only God can change hearts. That God will change the hearts of the government of South Africa, or make them no longer the government of South. Africa. And I pray that for all of you. Um, let me thank everybody who's been listening. Uh, so far, and as if you follow Genesis one, two, three, and inspiration from Zion, uh, for all these years that we've been doing this podcast, um, for most of the time, we, have, we do a special uh, drawing at the end of every month. It's called From Jonathan's Bookshelf. And all we ask that you do is go to the inspiration from Zion social media and follow and like us. And when you comment and share the link to this program there, we offer, we draw one person at random every month to receive a special book. Now, since the fall, we're giving away in a very shameless promotion, our own book, uh, which is called Israel the Miracle, which is stunning and has been going all over the world. And I want you to have your copy. So please follow and like Inspiration from Zion, comment and share, and we will pick one person again this month uh, to receive that copy um, as well. I know it will bless your home. We are grateful always that our podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area, please pop in and thank them for helping make conversations like this possible. And also special thanks to our friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all of the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges. This episode, as we have been doing very frequently in our war-related uh, episodes for the last three months is sponsored with prayers for the safe return of all of the hostages and soldiers, the full 
speedy recovery physically and emotionally and psychologically for everyone who's been impacted. Strength for the families who have, who have suffered from the loss, for the families that have been evacuated, and for continued strength and unity for all of Israel. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, and especially in South Africa, I pray that you and all your loved ones are safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.